Hello, and welcome to a mini episode of Gallery 44's podcast. I'm your host, Lillian O'Brien Davis, curator of exhibitions and public programs at Gallery 44. On today's mini episode, we'll be exploring our current vitrines exhibition, A Pavilion of Shadows, featuring the work of artist Nick Wilson. Our vitrines gallery is located just outside of our main gallery at 401 Richmond. They are meant to be sites of experimentation where artists can explore concepts outside of the formal gallery context. Today I'm speaking with artist and current Gallery 44 writer-in-resident Nick Wilson. Nick is an artist and writer who was born in the Woolisticky territory, now known as Fredericton, New Brunswick, in 1988. He graduated with a BFA from Mount Allison University, Mi'kmaq Territory, in 2012, and an MFA from the University of Regina, Treaty 4 Territory, in 2019, where he was a Shirk Graduate Fellow. In 2021, they were longlisted for the Sobe Art Award as a representative of the Prairies in the North. Fluent across media, Wilson creates videos, performances, and artist books, and writes essays and art criticism. Their work often engages time, queer lineage, decay, and the distance between art practice and literature. Their writing has appeared in publications such as Black Flash Magazine, Peripheral Review, and Border Crossings. Nick's exhibition, A Pavilion of Shadows, explores photography's relationship to spiritualism, belief, hoaxes, decay, Western conceptions of death, and the dead. The exhibition includes images made by leaving the lens cap on the camera, or otherwise obscuring the lens, to capture a more cerebral and even metaphysical experience of an image. The exhibition will also feature excerpted writing from Wilson's recent tenure as writer-in-resident at Gallery 44. Wilson explores the possibilities of capturing different realms of metaphysical phenomena and the possibilities of digital cameras to track and image the living's relationship with the dead. Welcome, Nick. Hi, Lillian. (laughs) Uh, I'm so happy to be speaking with you today, um, and I find myself at a funny crossroads for how to approach this conversation because our work and lives are intertwined as friends and colleagues. Um, So let's not play strangers, but maybe just for the sake of clarity, I'll ask you some questions that feel like they're treading familiar ground. Sure. So the exhibition is entwined with your residency, writing and photography paired together to act as two elements to a larger and ongoing interest in death. So I was just wondering if you could tell me a little bit about where your interests originated and where they lie now um, after a, a long period or rather a prolonged period of sitting with this project. Sure. I think I, I don't think it's inaccurate to say that the work is about death in some way, but I think it's it's also about the thinking through the the binary of life and death as we tend to understand it. And when I say we, I mean um, I probably mean I, <laughs> but also there's a kind of a wider cultural context for myself as a as someone coming from a Christian family and um, and coming from a kind of like Christian culture, which is itself kind of inculcated with colonialism and white supremacy and, and heteropatriarchy and all uh, many of these axes of power, which really define what life is in some ways and also define how people think about death. And in this very constrained context, there are very few spaces to think about the dead as a population or as a, uh, a, a group that is somehow influencing uh, the contemporary moment. And my interest in history specifically and, and the way that 
history is practiced and understood is a set of analytical tools for thinking about the past and past events and past lives. And I think that those things have always, to me, projected themselves onto now. And so the work and the writing is a way of kind of opening up conceptions of, of life and death and maybe a, a gray area and, and thinking through some of those imposed boundaries, um, which is also a subject of a lot of earlier work, which has to do with definition and, and limitations and, um, and breaches of those. The images you're including in the Vitrines exhibition explore a metaphysical relationship to the image, something beyond the visual, which surprisingly is a theme I've found myself returning to a lot this year, something that is felt or known rather than seen, and how that impacts or complicates our understanding of experience of reality. I'm intrigued about how your work and your interest in, in these photographs that don't contain the visual of what you're depicting, but do contain something in that they have the metadata and and all of this kind of like additional information. Someone described it as like a self-portrait of the the camera. Um, Might have even been you, Nick Wilson, artist. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think like the, uh, specifically in that image that Risa took, you can see the camera's thwarted attempt to make an image. Like it's not sort of like a, a pristinely black square. There's like speckles, and the more like if you when you put them in Photoshop, you can like kind of like tweak them to certain qualities of um, yeah. So I kind of like I I'm always interested in the ways that technologies are given certain attributes or like they have this kind of like reciprocal relationship with different attributes of like humans like the camera is kind of like based on like the eye in some way oftentimes you know we describe brains as a kind of computer with like storage space and stuff like that but i rarely come across spaces where the the sort of like emotional tendencies of humans are projected onto technology and so i'm interested a little bit in like what a camera thinks of itself so i want to shift a bit and Still thinking about these images with the lens cap or with your finger over the lens. And you also, in your display, have chosen to um, include captions next to each of these images. And this was intentional because you were thinking a lot about photography's relationship to writing and in particular um, in your own work and how, how you kind of work with photography in this way that I don't think is like back to front, but mm-hmm. <laughs> but is sort of... You work with photography in a way that I want to prompt you to talk a little bit about so that we can talk about your writing practice. Um, mm-hmm. That's why I'm interested in hearing a little bit about that that caption relationship and why you chose to include them. Mm-hmm. Well, I think like the, I, I've always been interested in the kind of dialectical relationship between you know what you would kind of traditionally think of as like the artwork and then think about as discourse, and that one supplements the other. And I think when I was in art school, I was existing in this place of feeling like, I remember saying like, I, don't, I, I think like quite naively saying that or thinking that or being taught that an artwork should like quote, speak for itself. 
And I don't think that any artwork has ever done that. Like that, that's maybe like a another naively bold claim, but I think do it. <laughs> I think that like artworks exist as like tools for relation, and that there's always a kind of, in my experience anyway, there's a a life of an artwork between people either through sort of like critical text or an anecdote or a rumor or something that happens. And I think that like very, very much in sort of like capital C, like conceptual tradition, there is a kind of like rumor about a piece that is not very clear in what you would traditionally think of as the artwork. And that This becomes really clear to me when I go to museums and sort of like come across a very, you know, um, like famous piece. And then someone that I'm with, usually my mother will be like, what's going on here? And I say, oh, well, this is, you know, it was a urinal. And then like Marcel Duchamp like pushed it over and signed it. And, um, and they're, you know, like those kinds of things are always attached to artworks. And I think that there becomes an anxiety about like insider info. And for me, like writing is a way to make that experience like part of the work and to forefront the the way that discourse and artworks are never mutually exclusive, but also to treat writing with the same sensibility or the same curiosity that I would approach art making itself. I'm biased because I've worked with you on a Gravitron project, but I think it's such an amazing um, investigation. And I also, I wanted to pause and ask if you could expand a little bit about your interest in art writing and it's kind of like relationship with criticism or it's like a divergence from criticism. I think that there has for me, for a long time, what I thought of as art writing was just criticism or journalism. I think that those two modes are the primary modes of many higher profile Canadian art publications. And I don't question their importance. I don't question the importance of art criticism and art journalism, but I do question the way this the amount of emphasis placed on them in the sort of like expansive world of art writing and i think critics like maria fusco have been really important in making that distinction that art writing is a discipline that is expansive and can be experimental and can be quizzical and can fail and can like do much more than give historical context and reportage. And I think that as I've been working on this project about arts writing, which is both a collection and a publishing project, myself and many other people I've talked to have noted the kind of like rise in both arts publishing and divergent uh, arts writing practices around the world. It's, It's not something that I think is uh, novel or specific. Like it seems to be a moment where people are exploring many different modes of art writing. And I think that 
my, you know, a lot of my inspirations or people that I take cues from come from a space of um, a, a kind of like melding of many different modes. Like I read, like Claudia Rankin, for uh, example, is uh, someone whose writing is really important to me, and the way she uses language to address the kind of like affective images, but also a, a way of like digesting images. Mm-hmm. And particularly her writing about watching the the coverage of Serena Williams and the way she thinks about looking and watching and digesting. We're just like, you know, I think it's like uh, part three of Citizen. I was just like, I read it maybe like five years ago and was blown away by it. And then just this summer, I it was a library book when I first got it, so I never had a copy. But then I bought it this summer again and reread it and was like affected by it even more than I had remembered. I wonder in your role as our resident writer, if I could ask you a bit of a corny question. Sure. Um, do you mind sharing um, any advice for an emerging writer who might be interested in growing their writing practice? Honestly, just reading. Like to me, attention and uh, is really, really important. And I think that if you're writing, attention to like reading and language um, is really important. There is a real stigma against self-publishing, um, particularly due to I think like the Canada Council's stance on self-publishing, which is that it is not to be done, which I have a huge problem with. I think like artist publishing is, and self-publishing is like very important and vital, and a lot of great texts have come out of that. I think oh like another um, book that I was really into, um, am really into, is uh, Yours to Discover by Zinia Nakvi, a great uh, example of like, you know, quote unquote self-publishing, but that is like a really um, great and fascinating collection of texts. So yeah, publish yourself, reach out, email people. Like I think for a long time I was really hesitant to like make contact with other artists, which is like, I think like kind of came from this place of like um, not wanting to be annoying or not having confidence in myself. But I like, it doesn't happen like super often, but I'll get emails from other artists who just say like, I like your work or they have questions about like, you know, how to distribute or whatever. And I think that that's really important and is something that, um, yeah, like Benny Nemmer was like a big influence on me for that, who was just like, oh yeah, if I have a question, I just email someone. I have one more question for you. And I'm trying to draw a link uh, through this season around how to ask a question. And for me, that's an inquiry that speaks to a larger investigation into what good criticism looks like. But it also connects to labor practices. And then I'm not being a good critical thinker when I'm tired. I'm not engaging properly when I'm overworked. Um, and I'm interested in questions of capacity and labor. And as an artist who you know, does a lot, 
Um, you've been on the go for for several weeks now. I'm curious about how you manage your own workload and ability to be present with your various projects. That question hits close to home <laughs> at the moment. As much as I'm like loath to describe it as such, my career kind of started during lockdown. Like a lot of my first big opportunities started when I didn't have a co- like when it was, you know, we just couldn't travel. And now, ever since the social permission to travel has opened back up, not that I think it's a like good idea much at the moment, but um, I've been on the go a lot and I have found myself very ground down by not being at home. And I think it's taken me too long to understand that like having a, like being in a place and being settled is is something that I need for my practice. I think other artists that I've talked to really thrive in situations that are different. But I think knowing what you need is really important and taking time to figure that out and to not, you know, like thinking about yourself and what you need is not uh, always like a solipsistic activity. Um, I think it's really important to think about your capacity and to question it. I'm feeling like always at 10, and I can't remember who I was talking to, but they were saying like, like keeping yourself at eight is important in case disaster strikes and you need those extra two points. So I don't know, that's kind of, I feel like that's kind of like a downer answer, but like, I honestly just don't know at the moment. I just want to express my thanks for your candor and your taking time to chat with me. It's such a pleasure to speak with you as a colleague and uh, your show, A Pavilion of Shadows, is on in the Gallery 44 Vitrine Gallery until December 10th. So I encourage everyone to drop what they're doing and run down to 401 Richmond and see it. (laughs) And two of Nick's uh, writer-in-residence essays have been published on our website with the third essay to be published in the very near future. So please stay tuned. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Lillian. So that's it. What did you think? Drop us a line with your thoughts on today's pod. You can reach me at Lillian at gallery44.org or follow us on Instagram at gallery44photo. This podcast was written, edited, and presented by Lillian O'Brien Davis. That's me. Co-produced with Alana Traficante, edited by Aaron Hutchinson, and special thanks to Respectful Child for the sweet tunes. We acknowledge the support of the Canada Council for the Arts. Talk to you next time.